Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for your mercy and your love and your faithfulness that are towards us each and every day. We just pray that this day, as we look into your word together, that you will speak to our hearts and just stir us once again to serve you and to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we have the... We start with the verse, of course, and I told you last week, it shouldn't break there. That's not a good place for it to break because it continues the thought. Here's all these people who lived their life by faith, believed the promises that God had given them, believed that one day Messiah would come, that they were part of that uh, miracle. And so, therefore, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, speaking of them all, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hands of the throne of God. Uh, Just stop long enough to say, because we did go over this quite a bit last week, that uh, every weight and the sin, let us lay aside every weight, Every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, that takes effort on our part. That's our part, is to lay aside, lay aside, lay aside, keep laying aside, because the enemy of our souls is always trying to encumber us and find ways to distract us and weigh us down. And so we have to make a conscious decision like like people do who train for a race to lay aside the weights. And the, and the sins that so easily beset us, that the enemy is always trying to place on us. And run with endurance the race set before us. Because Jesus, he, he was able to do it. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Sometimes I've heard people say, and we say it sometimes when we get tired, Oh, you know, when will this be over? And, oh, it's always, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just tired of fighting. I just want... I just want to not have this struggle. Well, yeah, none of us want to struggle, right? But think about Jesus. Did he have a struggle? Those scribes and Pharisees, did they ever stop resisting him? They never stopped, did they? They were always set in traps. He never knew when, I mean, he did, I guess he did. He, I mean, every time he opened his mouth, if they were present, they were fine, they were trying to set traps for him, weren't they? That's not a nice way. You know, if you, when you're with somebody, and, and they're always trying to trick you into saying something that they could later on use against you. You don't enjoy being in their company, do you? That's an, that's an effort. You're always thinking, I have to be careful. What should I, what I say? I have to be careful what I say. I have to be careful what I say. And that's not a pleasant relationship, is it? But that's how it was for Jesus. Every time the scribes and Pharisees were there, they were always trying to trap him in his words. And he endured that. And they... Um, they were always trying to challenge who he said he was. He told them plainly, the Father has sent me. And they were always challenging that. You make yourself out to be God. And he was like, well, I'm, hello, that's what I'm telling you. And they, they weren't getting it. And it was, it was a constant, constant thing. So we think about the cross. He endured. Yes, well, he did. And that was huge. That was a huge amount of suffering. But there was stuff that came before that, wasn't there? And then he endured with, in patience with his disciples. His disciples weren't all the brightest light bulbs on the block either, were they sometimes? And he endured with them. He, 
They were a rough crew. They had doubts, and they they went this way. They wavered this way and that way, and Peter always opened his mouth and stuck his foot in it, and, you know, on and on. We don't know all the details of all their personalities. But when you got 12 different guys together, they all got 12 different ideas on how you should should do a thing, right? So <clears throat> he endured. He endured. He endured. He made it. And that's the thing that God is trying to, and the writer to the Hebrews is trying to inspire them here is, you gotta make it through. It's not just enough to start. And it's not just enough, well, we wanna finish, but you gotta make it through the ugly, right? The ugly and the, and the mundane and the ridiculous, whatever you wanna call it, you have to endure. You have not yet resisted to blood striving against sin, which is what Jesus did. He resisted to blood struck striving against sin even in the garden when he was facing the cross he had to he had to go through that time in the garden where the enemy tried to kill him remember his sweat was like drops of blood the writer to the hebrew says you haven't done that yet and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to children my son despise not you the chastening of the lord nor faint when you are rebuked of him for whom the lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby, or trained. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Now just stop here to say, here he's saying, you know, come on, now endure, get it, run the race, lay aside the weights, and... Just because you go through something where God is training you up and, and giving you an exercise to, to practice your, and exercise your faith on, don't start complaining and moaning and groaning and saying, oh, why me? And, oh, the Lord must not like me or I'm, or I'm, I'm a stepchild. Stop it. Stop it. The Lord only trains up. That's the idea here is training. A parent trains their own children, right? A parent doesn't go train all the children on the block, usually, right? I mean, sometimes you wish you could. <laughs> but normally, you're concerned about your children and about your household. And so you spend your time and your energy into training them up and teaching them. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And we see that even with, with, with dogs and, and cats. If you want to train them to do what you want them to do, it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, right? A lot of input there. Well, God is trying to train us up. He's trying to train us up, and we forget that. And we forget that God is trying to train us up and grow us up. And so, yeah, sometimes things that we're in, you know, he's trying to train us and help us to learn how to handle the word of God and how to believe him. And instead of us saying, oh, I must be a stepchild, 
We've got to say, I believe you, Lord. I know you're working this out for my good. I know you have my good in sight. And I'm going to persevere. I'm going to believe you no matter what. And even though I don't like the situation or I'm not, you know, this this is not a situation I would have chosen to be in. I'm still going to believe you and I'm going to see you uh, be victorious in this situation. And as we do that, we gain the character that God is trying to. To, to grow in us. And doesn't that rejoice our hearts when we train some, when we go through the, you know, it takes time. It's a commitment to, to train someone up. It's a commitment to teach people. And when you see that they get it, then your heart rejoices, right? If you see it's always going right over their heads and there's never any, any comprehension, it's frustrating, right? How much so with God, too? He's looking in our lives to see if we're getting it. Are we getting it? Are we getting the, le- the lessons of life that he's trying to teach us? And so we shouldn't write him off as a bad father. We should embrace him as a dear, good father who cares enough about us to, to train us and to give us the teaching and the correction and even chastisement if we need it sometimes. Again, a, a good father doesn't go down the street and beat the neighbor's kids. Right? He spanked the neighbor's kids. He spanks his own kids because he wants them to why? A good father wants his own children to do well. He doesn't beat them out of wrath or, or anger. He spanks them and corrects them because he loves them and he wants them to do well. And so it is with God who is our heavenly father. And so he's saying here, if we could take correction from our earthly fathers, why do we have a problem with it, receiving it from, from God, our heavenly father? And so when we find ourselves in the trials and tribulations of life, remember, God can work this for my good. God is training me up, and he uses everything, the good and the bad, the good and the bad, the good and the bad, to train us and to grow us and to move us forward. So don't be cast down. Don't be down in the dumps. Lift up those hands which hang down in the feeble knees. This is like the poker poking at the fire, you know. When you need the fire to, to get fired up a little, you take a poker and you poke at it. And this, this chapter is full of pokers. <laughs> Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I noticed, too, as we were going through the previous part, that it says that that, as we accept his correction and his training, makes us partakers of his holiness. That was powerful, right? And here he says, partake, he for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So you see, it's not just a selfish motive, where sometimes with a father, a natural earthly father, it's for their own, you know, well, my children, you know, my children behave, my children, you know, my children, it's just an earthly thing. or set up, uh, But in God's case, it's not about, about, about his own natural pride. In God's case, it's because he wants to make us partakers of his holiness. He wants to enrich our lives with every powerful and wonderful and good thing. Make us partakers of his holiness. That's incredible. We don't deserve to be a partaker of his holiness. We're vile, sinful people. And yet that's God's heart towards us. What a father. What a father's love. And so make straight paths for your feet. In other words, come on, get it, do it. 
don't be slouching. Don't be, uh, don't be lazy. Don't not get it. Let's get it. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Again, another, you know, come on now, be diligent, lest anybody falls down, and any root of bitterness. This is powerful, powerful teachings. If people would take heed to this, this chapter alone, we'd have a much healthier body of Christ around lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We have to be diligent to keep out roots of bitterness. The roots of bitterness are always trying to pop their heads up, just like nasty dandelions. You go and pull out one dandelion, and five more pop up somewhere else, right? It's hard to keep them dandelions out of your lawn. After a while, you give up, right? But we can't be like that with our hearts. With our hearts, we have to be steadfast and earnest, we can't allow a root of bitterness to spring up in our hearts. And there's always cause for, 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 for bitterness. We can always be nurturing some root of bitterness if we, want, if, we, if we really think about it and want to. And God wants us to just cut it out. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We have to be careful because we affect one another. And if we have roots of bitterness nurtured and, and growing in our, in our beings, we're gonna, we're gonna, that's going to spread to others like a disease. And we don't want to disease the body of Christ, do we? We want to impart life and health into the body of Christ. And we can only do that as we stay healthy ourselves. And so we want to stay in that place where we're allowing God to train us up. And no matter what's happening, we're going to respond to it in a way that's healthy and that empowers the rest of the body of Christ. They can look at our lives and they can say, wow, in that, in that, in that situation, under that trial, in that, in that time of difficulty, they continue to trust God. That's how I want to be. And if our lives are like that, then it's attracting to Jesus Christ and to his cause. Okay, lest any fornicator, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears now he talks to us about about Esau and Esau because he felt so hungry at the moment Jacob Jacob knew his weakness didn't he he said to him oh he said if you want he was cooking a good meal and Esau came in he was all hungry oh let me have some of that what are you making he said well he said I will if you sell me your birthright and at the moment Esau was so hungry he said oh what's the birthright you can have it and in a, in a moment when he was hungry, he sold what later he wept for and wanted back. When he went to his father for the blessing, it had already been given to Jacob. And so we need to be careful that we don't allow the passions and the desires of the present moment to sell off our inheritance, so to speak, our inheritance. And so we have to be careful because... We, we live in the flesh. We live in a body of flesh where the, the desires and the, and, the, and the cravings of the flesh often try to rule us. And we are not to be ruled by them. We are to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to rule and reign in our hearts and lives. 
and not sell off the things that are most precious for a pot, uh, pot of, of soup. Immoral, immoral, yes. It's immoral to sell off God's inheritance. I mean, that's, that's what you have to get out of it. God considers it immoral to sell off his inheritance. It's, it's a serious, that's what he's trying to say. It's a serious business here. It's not a joking matter. It's not like, well, if I do what I do, and if I don't, I don't. No, it's not like that. It's, it's serious business. And so that's why we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly. For you know how that afterward, when ye would have, oh no, I'm sorry, 18. For you are not come to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor to the blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. In other words, he's saying, he's, he's saying, we're not, we're not standing out, out at Mount Sinai anymore, and that was fearsome. That was thunder and lightning and smoke and fire, and, and they put up ropes and said, can't, don't come any closer and clean yourselves and, 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 you know, watch out. And, and if you come too close, you'll be killed. He said, that was fearsome, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Moses said that. It was fear. It was fearsome. It was fearsome to approach to a living God. So he says, but we're not, we're not coming to that fear, that fearsome sight. We're actually coming to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just made, made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So he's saying, you know, there, it was fearsome. They came to the mountain and it smoked and fired and trembled and God spoke and it was, it was terrifying. But he says, you're coming to the real deal. You're coming to the real living God in heaven who's on the throne and to Jesus and to the, the general assembly of all that have gone before. He says, this is the real thing. So you got to take it even more seriously than they did out in, Inside it, they didn't take it very seriously out there, did they? By the time Moses came down from the mountain, they were jumping around a golden calf and, and committing fornication and every immoral act and, and uh, worshiping other gods, right? In 40 days. So he's saying, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get this, guys. You gotta get this. You gotta get it. We're coming to the living God, to Jesus Christ, to all those who've gone before. And so, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel, okay? This is the real thing. And see that you, here's the pokers again, see that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escaped not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And so we see here that we have got to get it, that we need to lay hold of eternal life and of this salvation that Jesus Christ has purchased for us. We have got to get it. And really, sadly, this room should be full because if people were really getting it, they would be here. It's a little bit of a sacrifice to get up a little bit earlier on Sunday morning, but really it's, it's, um, 
It's our reasonable service. It's our reasonable service to be here and to place ourselves in a place where we can receive the word into our lives and into our hearts and grow, allow our hearts to be grown and to be matured. And so may God help us that we get it in such a way that we're able to impart it to others, that we're able to uh, stir the fire in other people's hearts and lives because it's a matter of life and death. It's not a joking matter. It's not a one-hour-a-week one or two-hour-a-week religion or, or something. It's our life. It's a matter of life and death. And we've got to be involved 100%, engaged 100% of the time. You know, we've learned in America to disengage. We, we, um, we can put on nice clothes on Sunday morning and come to church and pretend to be really, you know, okay. And just, and not even really be there. And God doesn't want that. He's not about playing church. We know that. We hear that so often. We've all said it. He's not about playing church. He's about reality and about really, really having our hearts and having us committed to Him. And so, Let's not, we want to be that for ourselves, but we want to be able to impart that in a way to others, to young people, to those who God is growing up, that they will get it because he needs us. He needs us to, to, to spread the word. Hallelujah. And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. In other words, those things, they all... They're all gone. All the things that they were afraid of and that they revered and held dear, they're all gone. They've all been shaken away. But this is the real deal. We have come to the real deal. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. It's not going away. This one's not going away. The law and the prophets and Moses and all that stuff and all the old covenant, as good as it was, it's gone. Now we've got the real thing. It cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And really this peace has been lost in our world. We cannot just use God as a happy-go-lucky slapstick figure. He is a, a God who is to be feared, to be awed, to be reverenced and served because our God is consuming fire. And it's hard words. Our world doesn't want to hear that. Or the people in our world don't want to hear that message. They want to think that, oh, God is love. God is love. God is love. And he is. God is love. It's true. But that's not all God is. There's a lot more to who God is. And he is also a consuming fire. And we know how when John saw him after he um, in, the, when he, in the book of Revelation, when John saw him, remember, John was his bosom buddy here on earth, laid his head on his breast at the Last Supper. That's how close he was to Jesus, to hear his heartbeat here on earth. And yet, when he sees him in his glory with his eyes like a flame of fire, what does he do? He doesn't smack him on the back and say, Oh, hello, old buddy, old pal, how you doing? I missed you. Good to see you. No. He falls at his feet as dead. He falls at his feet as dead and worships him. The awe and the, it, it, it's overwhelming. And so we need to take heed to that word. We need to take heed and realize that we worship an awesome, powerful, living, real God. It's not just 
We're not just coming in here passing the time because somebody told us that was a good thing to do. We're dealing with the real and living God, and so may our lives be that real and living testimony to the world that shouts, that shouts out, God is live and he's real and he's awesome and he's powerful. We want people to get the right picture of God through our living, not some distorted, warped, sugary, sugar daddy type of picture of God, but the real deal, the real thing. He's alive and he's real and he loves you, but you got to serve him and you got to serve him with all your heart and might and strength and soul and you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to get it. We gotta get it. And so really, I just see the passion in the writer to Hebrews, whether it was Paul or whoever it may have been. Like I told you in the beginning, I believe it was Paul, but there's many people that don't. Doesn't matter, whoever the writer was, he truly had a passion for people to understand that we're not just playing a game here. God has laid out the whole plan for all these years, came and sent his son, to be the fulfillment of all of that. And now it behooves us, it behooves us to get it because we are going to be held accountable one day. And again, people don't want to be held accountable in this world. They hate that. And again, sorry, but that's God's word. We are going to be held accountable for whether we got it or whether we didn't. And there's the other the flip side is there's going to be rewards for those who got it. Hallelujah. So that's why, you know, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we want to embrace it with all our hearts. Lord, we just pray that you will continue to open our understanding, that we will embrace your fullness and your truth, Lord, that we will not shrink from any part of it, Lord, but that we will embrace it in such a way that our lives really do shout out to the world, God is alive and he is my God and I will serve him, come what may. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is fire in our bones. In Jesus' name, amen.